Emergency services. Please, you gotta help me. There's this weird guy. Ma'am. Please. Ma'am, call us when you're dead. What the fuck? Welcome back, callers. I'm Keith. And I'm Aerie. And I know that Ryan is typically here with us, but he is currently sick, so he is taking a break. I did that on the second episode, so it's only fair that uh, he gets to do one himself. Yeah, so actually, I'm really excited to be able to help again. We're experimenting with inside voices with Eerie. I don't know how to use my inside voice. There you go. Like a careless whisper. Like a small, small whisper. Like a careless whisper. If if not, I'll give you those headphones and you can hear how loud you are. (laughs) So, Erie, what's new with you? Oh, not much. I just had to work today and I live in Allegan and there's a food truck rally on Monday nights. So I went and did that and um, so that's every Monday night and I enjoy doing that. They have different trucks. I I don't know the last time that I've been to a food truck, to be honest. Oh, it's fun. You guys should come out and have some food with us. Well, hopefully when Ryan is feeling better, we will be out there to do that. I know that my birthday is coming up this week, but that seems like those plans are probably down the drain for now until things are back on the mend. Did you have any birthday plans? No, no, none at all. Typical birthday year for me. No birthday plans. Well, you're welcome to come out and watch the fireworks with us. Well, thank you. I might actually do that depending on how everything is going at the time. Yeah, lots of touch and go right now. Right. So, and we say that he's not dying. I promise I haven't killed him. He isn't, he's not dying. It's just, he doesn't feel well, and we'll just go with that for now. Um, In other words, though, I would like to give some shout-outs to Rebecca H. Sabrina L. And Julia W. Thank you guys so much for being called. All right, Erie, are you ready to hear about the case of Lydia Tillman? I am very excited to hear about Lydia Tillman. Okay, so before we get to Lydia, we are going to talk a little bit about this douchebag, Travis Forbes, who at the age of 17 had already broke into 16 houses in the Fort Collins area and had stolen more than $15,000 worth of money and merchandise. In 1998, he would violate his probation and, in 1999, violate his curfew 43 times, to which the law decided to send him to community corrections. So, was he going for, like, a high score, or... You know, if he he was... 17, that's pretty impressive. Right. I don't... Man, we, like, I don't know if you and I ever had anybody in our school that was, like, that bad. Well, and we were also really good kids, so we only hung out with good people. Okay, well, I'm going to call a lie on that. <laughs> um, even my mama's probably listening going, well, that's a damn lie. Yeah, but how many houses did we break into? Probably zero. zero. I, I never broke into any houses. If you broke into a house, please don't admit it now. Now it's not the right time. <laughs> no, I definitely didn't break into any houses. I cannot be culpable inside one of your crimes. Well, we know your mom won't help either, so there's that. There is that, because she did call my ass out a while back and told me. I laughed so hard about about that. She wasn't going to help me. (laughs) I was like, his mom is not going to be happy about Mm -mm, this. No, no, she was not happy. So in 2004, he again is arrested for assaulting two women joggers in the Highlands Ranch area in Colorado by throwing rocks at them. Because that's super mature. Right. So... 
We know in 1998, he was 17. By 2004, he's, what, 23, 24? Yeah, like early 20s. Right. How, we know a lot of people that did some really dumb things growing up, we do. But I don't think it went to 23, 24 age of doing dumb things. Because we went to school with people that threw rocks off the bridge. Yeah, we did, actually. And... Um, one of them actually apologized for all of that. Mm-hmm. And now he, he felt real bad about it. Yeah. Well, his mom was pissed too, rightfully so. But now he has a family of his own and he's doing well. So, right. I mean, I'm very happy for him. I love seeing his updates on things and his wife's updates. You know, they, they live a different life now compared to when we were in high school. But yeah. they weren't also fucking around at the age of 23, 24. He definitely used his second chance wisely. Mm hmm. Unlike this douchebag. Right. You want to read this next part? So, Forbes is the last person known to have seen Kenya, Kenya Mongi? Yes. 19, of Aurora, Colorado, who vanished April 1st, 2011. It was not an April Fool's. Right. After apparently receiving a ride in his white van. The next day, he is seen scrubbing a large cooler at his workplace, Debbie's Bakery and Cafe. A surveillance tape shows Forbes wheeling a cooler bound with duct tape to the back door, and he is then recorded turning off the video camera. In May 2011, he suddenly moves to Austin, Texas, taking an ex-girlfriend's SUV where a fugitive task force of U.S. Marshals and Austin police arrest him on a felony aggravated car theft warrant out of Wheat Ridge, Texas. He is extradited back to Colorado, but the charges are later dropped. So I just kind of want to scoot back for a second because, mm-hmm. like, I did watch like the surveillance footage that was on it. It's wild. It is wild. I did watch it, and it is out there for people to see. I just, you know, we don't have a way of we're a podcast, so we don't really have a way of hooking it up because there's no audio to it. It's just literally you see him coming in with that cooler. Mm-hmm. And then leaving hours later with the cooler again, and you're like, but why? Yeah, it's like, to paint the picture, it's like a large, like an igloo cooler going into like a walk-in cooler. And so, like, I just wonder, he turned off the video, like, after doing this. So I'm just like, did he want to be seen? Because obviously he knew the cameras were there. Or maybe he was like, oh, shit, I forgot. I don't know if he, I think he was that dumb that he forgot and then was like, oh, I can make it look like something happened to her or not to her, but to the, just the surveillance. And this was a normal thing. And it was a, an oopsie poopsie that it happened. Oh, gotcha. So he probably was just like, oh, well, maybe they won't know. Exactly. I just I think he was hoping that he would never get caught. Because in July, this is where Lydia Tillman's story is going to take place. So we are May, June, and now in July, two months later, he is going to do some of the worst shit you could do to somebody that you don't even know. Yeah, so I'm I'm interested in this because like in July 2011 was when I married my starter husband. Your starter husband. (laughs) We call him my starter husband. Everybody needs a starter husband or a test husband. Yeah, I mean, I guess that works. (laughs) Well, maybe not everybody, but I did. (laughs) So so are we going in the time machine now? We are going to go into the time machine. Oh, I love the time machine. Yes. So excited. 
So we are going to put our seatbelts on and get into the time machine because we're going to New York in 2005 where he met Lydia Tillman. So a little we meet her. We're going to meet Lydia Tillman in 2005. Just kidding. We met Lydia Tillman in 2005. So a little bit of background info on Lydia. She worked for a Spanish restaurant owned by Mario Batali. Now, if that name sounds familiar, it's because we were talking about the world-renowned chef Mario Batali, who appeared on multiple cooking shows like Master Chef and Iron Chef. And Batali also made his own bottled wine. He even used a photo of Lydia smashing grapes with her feet as a label for one of those wines. Oh, is that like the Jones soda where they took like different pictures of stuff and used it for their labels? Okay, yeah. So kind of like Jones did that through their company. But Mario Batali, he was like, oh, I want, you know, people wanted wine because it's New York and he's world renowned. So he kind of took that. I, I don't know who came first, if it was Jones or if Mario Batali does it first. But they they start labeling things with just ordinary photos. So the one is of Lydia smashing grapes with her feet. There were other ones that he did where it was just like nature or to, I, I guess, more of make people want to get it. It grabs your eye a little bit more of, oh my gosh, why is there a picture of somebody's feet on it? Well, now you're looking at it and now you're like, oh, that sounds good. I'm going to buy it. Yeah, no, I like that idea a lot rather than just, this is a Merlot. Right. And that's it. Right. Because, like, they have the true crime line or whatever it is where it has, like, the different serial killers on it. You know, I don't really endorse buying that. That wine sucked. But it, I only bought it because it grabbed my intention having those people on it. And I was like, why are you doing this? And then I was like, well, maybe it will taste good. I definitely buy wines for their pretty labels, mm-hmm. like all the 19 Crimes wines, because Snoop Dogg is on the label of one oh, of yeah, them. Yeah, that's what it was called, is 19 Crimes. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of, like, um, well, yeah, criminals, I guess, on it, bug shots. Right. Um, so anyway, back to her. She was working 70 hours a week and came to realize how crazy and hectic, hectic this life truly is. Um, and I can attest to that, working in the kitchens for mm-hmm. a long time. Mario had even taken Lydia to Spain multiple times to further teach her the ins and outs of making wine. Um, With this newfound love and passion for winemaking, she tries to get a visa from Spain so she could go off and make wine on her own. Unfortunately, due to the law in Spain, she is unable to attain one because of the economy. However, she wasn't going to give up on her dream, so she traveled to South America to learn Spanish in hopes that one day Spain's economy would turn around and she would be able to get the visa. So what was going on in Spain at this time? Okay, so I don't know exactly what was going on in Spain, but their law is that if their economy is just shit, they won't grant new visas to anybody if you're coming in to like build an account, like a business. And I don't know if it's because they don't want like businesses to fail and like having infrastructure there that's not being taken care of or what it, you know, or people then living off of their government system. I'm not really sure because we had like here in America in 2011, we, I guess this would have been 2000 and probably 2008 area. It doesn't actually say the year that she went and tried it and she never specifically told the year. Um, Because I watched a YouTube video of her giving all of this information, and that's where I got all of this information for the most of it, is her recounting her past life. Um, We'll get into it in a little bit of the attack and then afterwards. But she never, like, goes into detail. I 
I want to say it's around 2008, 2009, more than likely at this time. But she, unfortunately, isn't able to obtain one just because of their laws. And I would, if I had to take a guess, it's probably because of the stock market crash in 08. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Well, that's no shame because Spain is beautiful, I'm told. Right. They do have great wine. Spanish wine is great. Right. So, like I said, sadly, in the end, she would not achieve that dream. Yet, she would later state, quote, While in South America, I did end up learning a lot and had a ton of fun doing so, end quote. So eventually, she will find herself moving back to her hometown of Fort Collins, Colorado, to help take care of her father, who was dealing at the time with cancer. I moved back to take care of him, and it ended up to be quite the opposite. Dad, oh, he is fine. He beat it, end quote. Let's move on to the night of the attack. We're still in Fort Collins, Colorado, and it's July 4th, 2011. Lydia was at the fireworks celebration with friends and family. After the show, she was making her own, making her way home alone. That's when a man by the name of Travis Forbes, who we've just talked about, decided to ambush Lydia from behind and push her into her home. The attack itself, there is little known as Lydia doesn't fully know what happened to her. Outside of evidence, she was should been shown later on. She does know she was brutally attacked and he did sexually assault her, going as far as trying to kill her by using bleach as an accelerant and lit the apartment on fire. Let's take a little break for a word from our sponsor. Callers, are you looking for better insurance from home and auto to all other types? Call our friend Andy at 616-777-3202 for all your insurance needs. Let Andy from S.H.I.E.L.D. Insurance help you save money like he helped us save money. Don't want to call? Text him. Text the phrase, call us dead, to Andy again at 616-777-3202. Let him know that the Call Us When You're Dead podcast family sent you. Why not be like the cool kids and save that money? Call Andy now. Now back to the episode. So what we do know from from the night of the attack, Travis saw Lydia walking home. He then sexually assaults her, strangled her so hard that he caused her artery to clot, which led her to having a massive stroke. He hit her in the head, causing her to have a brain bleed on both sides of her brain, and he even broke her jaw and left her dead in her apartment. To cover up this crime, Travis then gets bleach and not only covers Lydia in it, but also the rest of the house. He then set fire to the apartment and leaves. However, after such a horrible night and what would leave others dead, Lydia wakes up and jumps out of a two-story window where she hits concrete. Luckily, by this time, an ambulance was outside of Lydia's home as the fire department had already been called due to her home being on fire, assuming by a good Samaritan or a nice neighbor. With Lydia's adrenaline pumping, she looks up from the ground and sees the ambulance. Amazingly, she musters up the strength to get back up and run towards them. When the paramedic asked her if she knows who attacked her, all she could say was no before suffering a stroke and leaving her in a coma. She would remain in the coma for a total of five weeks. Okay, so my question is to you. You and I have, we've lived almost together for a while. Like, you were like another sister to me. Do you remember when we did High School Musical on stage? Of course. How could I forget? Right. And then we like, we went to sleep after that 12-hour rehearsal And we woke up almost a day later, and we were like, oh, shit, what day is it? Could you imagine waking up five weeks later? No, not at all. Like, how do you even recover from that? Like, you have to 
backtrack everything and not only like remember what you went through, but now you have to get updated on all this other shit that's happened. Right. Not to, not to mention just that, but then you have to go, well, who, you know, did something else happen? Did, why, why am I even here? Because I feel like with her, I don't even think she realizes at this point that she's in a hospital when she wakes up. Mostly because of the brain bleed. But secondly, because she, like, she made it almost sound like nobody when she woke up happened to be, like, right there. And so she was a bit disoriented. Now, the person that was with her and family members had been in and out. They were just right outside the door. So the moment they saw her wake up, it was almost a blessing for the whole family because they never, like, doctors were really preparing this family for the worst of she's not going to wake up. Right. Well, and of course, with the massive brain bleed and the stroke and everything, like, I wonder what eventually made her, like, kind of remember this incident and then be able to then talk about it and get her justice. So we will talk about how she, they were able to link it to him because all of that bleach doesn't always fix everything. I did read, too, that um, a medical examiner or somebody had found, like, Forbes's DNA under her fingernails. Yep, that's what we're going to talk about. Okay. Well, sorry for the spoiler alert. Nope, you're good. When doctors examined Lydia, they described her injuries being equivalent to somebody who had been in a high-speed accident without a seatbelt. By the time Lydia's family gets to see her, they could barely recognize her. Outside of her tattoo that she has on her leg and her ring... It took Lydia two years to learn how to read, write, and even eat on her own. Yeah, so when I was reading up about this, um, after you'd asked me to come by, I did see, like, the quotes from her dad that were saying, like, she was just unrecognizable. And, like, now knowing, like, how close she was with her dad, I mean, she was taking care of him with cancer. Like, Mm -hmm. so my dad went through cancer a couple years ago as well. And as you know, my dad and I are very close. And, like... I could not imagine, like, the the pain he must have felt, like, watching his daughter go through this and survive this. and Exactly. And not really even being able to help. Okay. So, we are getting ready to go to the trial. Woohoo, trial! You know, it's my favorite part. It's, it's, it's one of my favorites, too. going to trial. So, the trial is going to take place on September 26, 2011 where Forbes is going to plead guilty to murdering Kenya. So, before we get to that, I would like to talk about the letter that she wrote. Now, mind you, she has to relearn how to write and talk and walk and eat. She writes a statement for him to be read at the trial. And, Erie, would you like to read that for me? So, to quote Miss Lydia, it says, Travis Forbes... You caused me no harm. My spirit, my soul, and my mind remained untouched. May you find peace in this life. End quote. I don't know about you, but that sends so much chills down my spine. Me too. Like, it was hard to just read it. Right. Because you don't, you want her to be angry. That is the normal reaction onto somebody, and she is refusing to give that to them. And I feel like that almost takes her control and power back from the situation from a complete stranger who wanted to ruin her life. Yeah. I definitely can't say that I would say the same thing. I would be like you motherfucker. Right. You, (laughs) you have ruined my life. You have done something that 
I can never, you know, you, it's like you just can't get that back. That That's a part of your life that you don't get to have back. And she decided to say, fuck it. You're not going to take that from me. Well, and when she talks about how her mind and soul are untouched, but I mean, obviously she had a lot of physical injuries, but it's so empowering to hear that you can't break that spirit. Right, right. You know, there was a quote one time that it was like, this person can take your families, they can take your homes, but the one thing they can't take is your faith. And it feels like she almost, in a way, relies on that in herself of, this is who I am as a person, and you don't get the right to take that from me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, Travis is currently serving a life sentence for murder and received an additional 48 years for the attack, attempted murder, and sexual assault, arson, and motor vehicle theft against Lydia. So, not only did this motherfucker try to kill her, sexually assaulted her, lit her shit on fire, he stole her fucking car. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. And, like, when I heard her talking about this... There is a few things that she was real mad about. One of them was that he stole her fucking car. Not even, like, the pretense of everything else. It was the fact that he took her fucking car. Because she had worked so hard for everything that she had gotten. Homegirls working 70 hours a week trying to make it on her own. Stomping grapes and shit. Right, stomping her grapes. And then she's trying to take care of her dad who has cancer. Like, she is hitting a stress wall beyond stress wall at this point. And the few things she wants to just have, one of them, home dude is a douchebag and takes it. Yeah, I would be like, and you took my car? I would definitely feel the same way about right. that. And like, would, like just the, the cherry on top, right? Right. I would. I love with that. I love her quote, but I really wish she would have said, but fuck you for taking my car. I'm going to get that car back. Right. I don't know if she ever did get it back. It probably was in evidence. I probably wouldn't want that car back after that. Knowing all the crazy shit he does with other stuff. Right. So, Erie, I know that you kind of talked about it, but... For the rest of the listeners that may not have caught it, Travis was caught because of DNA that he left under Lydia's nails. Even though he tried to use bleach on her, she fought back like a lioness, which included some clawing and scratching. And the strong, brave woman kept fighting until she was safe. I think also with um, the Kenya... Um, portion of the case too there was like an incident where he doused everything in bleach and like sanitized everything she touched and he like really tried to cover his tracks on it everybody's gonna know i hate but he tried to cover his tracks on it and then lets it be caught on video right everybody on this podcast knows i really fucking hate monikers and you know what moniker they gave him oh what they give him now the bleach murderer the bleach that's dumb Home dude didn't even kill anybody with bleach. He used bleach to clean it up. Every fucking serial killer has tried to clean up their evidence in some way. And I'm sure bleach has been used in multiple different cases. But you're because he used bleach two times, one on an actual murder and one on a not murder, you're going to call him the bleach murderer? That is such disrespect to Kenya, who is 19 at the time, remind you. She didn't deserve any of that. Maybe we call it... The dumbass murderer who murdered a 19-year-old instead of, he was the bleach murderer. Is he fucking Mr. Clean? Did he murder the bleach? Did he murder that bleach, Dad? Clearly. Because he's 
He should have swallowed the bleach is what he should have done. Well, that's like with all the other monikers too. Like they had only did it one time and it wasn't even related to the incident. Like the smiley face killer. And oh, well, the smiley face killer is a little bit more because now there's like another set of smiley face killers, which hopefully we'll talk about them one day because they are rampant in Chicago area in Michigan. So if you and Will are ever out, do not let him go alone at a bar. To, like, Um, anywhere, because they have found, I think they're up to, like, 30 or 40 men now that they get dumped into the lake or the river, and then a smiley face is always, like, at, like, in, drawn in blood, in the victim's blood, at the place that they were dumped, and they're always found miles away from where they are. Well, yeah, a lot of weird shit has been happening like that in the last few years. Like, I remember there was, like, a string of guys in between Holland and, like, Grand Rapids. So, here in Grand Rapids Mm -hmm. that were, like, had no connection with anything. But they somehow, like, abandoned their cars and were found by bodies of water. Like, super sketch. Yeah. Yep, I remember that. So, but yeah, monikers, let's just not. Right, they're dumb. So, where's Lydia now, you may ask? You will find Lydia giving speeches about the night of her attack, where she says, quote, You will find my speech to be slow. I call it deliberate. What I am going to talk about is hard, but it is how I survived. End quote. So, as she is showing photos of the attack, she seems more pissed she lost her brand new mattress that she had to open a line of credit for. However, she she refused to be angry with Travis. So, she continues her recovery... And Tillman, now 31, wears a bracelet encouraging herself and others to live your days inspired anew. She even runs marathons now. That's so incredible to me because you, like, literally almost died. Mm -hmm. And now you're doing, like, the, like, unthinkable, like, physical feats. As I was watching her, she was like, oh, here's a picture of this. And here's a picture of this. Wait, let's go back to this picture. Or, like, let's not focus on this picture. And then she gets to her mattress. And she's like, there's my bedroom that's on fire. And there's my brand new mattress. I had to open a line of credit for that mattress. And you can just tell that she's just so irritated about things. Like, like you're like, girl, you survived. And you are more mad that he, like, took things that you just worked so hard for. And I feel that on a spiritual level almost because not only have i survived but then you want to take the rest of my shit from me i would rather be dead at that point if you're going to take everything else that's almost like the other weekend so allegan has this event called bridge fest and it's about um like so we have a huge like iron bridge Mm -hmm. that's historic and whatever i mean you've seen it yeah um, so anyway, they always have that party in June. Well, so I'm wandering around Bridgefest, and I had a Long Island, and then I went and people watched for a while. My Long Island was gone, so I went and got another Long Island. Right. And Will and I were going to go to the new card store that opened up in town, and I'm just la-di-da, wandering around in the street. My foot found a hole that was literally two inches big, and I fell and skinned my knee so bad, and I didn't even feel the pain. I was just pissed that I dropped my whole drink on the ground. Ice and all, gone. Not even a drop. (laughs) Brand new. I probably took two or three sips out of it. Basically, what I'm hearing is you created alcohol abuse, and now you're mad. Yeah, in front of everybody. The whole town saw me fall down. Well, at least the whole town didn't try to murder you. Well, I did get offered strawberry shortcake by the nice little ladies at the church booth. Oh, that's nice of them. They saw you make boom boom and 
They did. They brought me like napkins and ice and stuff. Oh, look at them being all nice. They didn't ask if you had COVID, did they? No, but my night ended at 4.30 and I was pretty pissed. <laughs> yeah, I'd be pretty pissed too. I was excited for my day. <laughs> so, yes, I understand how it feels <laughs> to be mad at something else. Right. It's it, not even it's something that just feels so irrelevant at the time. But to you, that's the one thing that you're like, God damn it. It's the cherry on top. Right. So there you have it. It's the survivor story of Lydia Tillman, a woman who throughout every struggle in life described that this man she didn't know wouldn't be the person who broke her spirit. So as we've talked about sexual assault, um, we're we're going to go ahead and leave the phone numbers for those again. So if you or anyone you know has been sexually assaulted and needs help, please call 800-656-HOPE. Again, that's 800-656-4673, and you'll be connected with a trained staff member in your area. So what do you feel about this case? So I just think this is so inspiring. Like, I've been really enjoying listening to this season because, like, I might not always remember all of, like, the stories of everybody, and um, but I definitely, like, get inspired by these stories of these people that have just had the most incredible, like, odds against them. Like when you have a brain bleed and jump out of a second story window and have a stroke. And she talked about, so she shows the picture of like where her window was compared to the concrete. And she goes, well, this is where I jumped out of. I'm sure it hurt, but I don't remember. Right. Literally everything from, and she describes it as she doesn't know if her brain is purposely blocking out what happened or because it was so much trauma all at once. Or if she is, because of the stroke, if that is what's caused her to not remember any of those days. Or I say days, but I mean that day or, well, that night. Because for her, she remembers getting into her house. And then from there, it's just very, she almost described it as like a puzzle, like puzzle pieces just missing throughout that from that night to five weeks later. And she said during those five weeks, she could hear people talking. She could hear people like talking to her. She said that she never felt like she was asleep, that she just, she knew if she could just get her brain to do something. Like she was like, I wanted to just get up. And when she did wake up, and we did not talk about this, she was very violent. She ripped out the tube like the trachea from her throat Mm -hmm. i did read that um and she pulled the bolts that were holding uh her like skull together because they had to do open skull surgery on her to release the pressure from her brain from the bleed yep and she i guess like pulled one of them just straight up pulled one of them out and thought travis was still in the house with her because i i think when she wakes up she see is, is flying back to that time and that's when a family member comes in and gets her calmed down, and they they have to sedate her, of course. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't imagine, like, I know that I'm not in danger, but if I am in danger, and I wake up and thinking I'm in danger, I am going to fuck you up, mm-hmm. whoever's around me. It didn't matter that it was family around her. She was going to hurt them if it meant keeping herself alive just a moment longer. Right. I almost wonder if in that case it was... One of those situations where your brain just kind of picks up where it left off. Oh, I 100% think that's what happened. And then it was slowly like 
piecing everything back together for yeah, her. Yeah, because at this point, really she quick. doesn't know that she's been out for five weeks. Right. So, over a month. Right. And then uh, they they set her up with somebody called a SANE doctor, which is, um, or a SANE nurse, which is a nurse that deals with uh, sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And she said that, well, when she heard that, she thought, are all the other nurses insane? And you gave me the only sane nurse? Well, I must be pretty lucky then. <laughs> and I just think that's so funny that she keeps trying to find this, like, humor in things after the initial wake-up. Because clearly you reacted like anybody would react. But then, like, she tries to not focus on, even when you hear her talk, she tries not to stay focused on the attack that happened to her. And she kind of just is like, well, that happened, so let's move on from there. And then we're going to look at these photos of what hap- what I looked like afterwards. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you looked up any of the photos of her. You cannot tell that she, she does not look like a person. No, not at all. Like, there's a lot of, there's definitely a lot of trauma there. And I just, it just baffles me. Like, I, I just feel so much for her, you know, and, and then to wander around with a bracelet that now says, live your days inspired anew. Like, it's like she really embraced, like, that second chance for her. Right, right. And people have asked her, like, well, did you see anything when that happened to you? Like, did you see another side? And, and she said, all I saw was not nothing, but just, like, me continuing to fight. And so, to me, I just feel like that might be, like, a a hope of God situation of like, girl, keep fighting. Like you're doing it. Just keep on fighting. You're, you're almost there. Just get there. And so I think that's where she gets her whole live your days inspired anew because she really felt like it was this finish line that if she could just get to it, she was safe. Mm-hmm. You know, I do wonder though, because I was reading, you know, the few articles and maybe, maybe there's details that are missing because nobody remembers or nobody saw or whatever. But like, when she's like walking back to her apartment mm-hmm. and then she like meets does she meet up with him like outside and then he follows her and breaks in or no, she so left the door unlocked she, or she knows for a fact that she did not see him prior to that. So she was unlocking the door to her house. She walked in and he just came in behind her. So it was like he was waiting somewhere in the bushes or somewhere where he it it almost felt like he had stalked her. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say picked her out because it, it does feel almost spur of the moment. But I feel like he had been watching her for a majority of the 4th of July. Yeah, so like premeditated, oh, not, it was not random. Oh, 100% premeditated. Hmm. And I guess like what makes me more mad is had they never let him out. When they arraigned him back in May, we, you and I would not be talking about Lydia because he would have been in jail. So I just feel like we're going back to season one again of drop balls. Like, why would you let him out? Right. That's, I have questions about that too, because clearly like he killed another lady and chopped her up and put her in a cooler. Right. So I don't, I don't understand like how messed up our system is. Like, like the case that I shared with you the other day that my friend's family is going through. I'm so happy that man got sentenced and he is going away. Like, well, his sentencing is actually at the end of July. Right. But but I mean, I'm glad that he was found guilty of the crime. If they had found him not guilty, I would have probably given up all hope at this point. Yeah. They've, they convicted him on like 18 out of, out of the 19 charges that he had. Like, and I've said this before. 
when I got you on videotape or audio, you're not alleged anymore. Mm-hmm. You done did it. Yeah. I have a big thing with like the alleged things too, because it's like, well, it, you can't allege anymore. Like, right. that's like if I saw you trip me in the hallway, you didn't allegedly trip me in the hallway. Right. So, I mean, maybe, maybe it was Casper. You've probably allegedly done a lot of things. Mm, yeah. Well, <laughs> not that I'm willing to do it here. Allegedly. <laughs> you know what else is not alleged, though? Your face. Well, that too. But remembering to follow us on social media platforms and give us those five-star reviews. You can find us on Facebook, TikTok, or you can even just email us at callusted at yahoo.com to let us know what you thought about this case or suggest other cases. Tell us how much you love us. Mm-hmm. I really do want those five stars. Every time I see a new one, I get so much happier. We have like 20 on Spotify. Tell your have... friends how much you love us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell your friends to download all of our episodes. Right. And then listen Even to them. Even if they don't listen to them, we still get the downloads. Right. Well, listen to them and make ha-has about the dumb laws because they are a lot of fun. Dumb laws is my favorite and dumb criminals. There's just so many things that just come across that are dumb. Like this dude. Right. With the surveillance camera. Dumb. Right. So dumb. Right. And then I'm going to bleach everything. Okay. I know we're wrapping this up, but how much bleach do you think he had to use? Oh, I have no idea. Probably. And why didn't Definitely gallons. Like we flag NyQuil. You got to be 18 to buy NyQuil and you can only buy so much of that. But we ain't going to flag some fucking douchel McDouchelkins here for buying gallons and gallons of bleach. Like, he ain't. What are you trying to clean, sir? His soul. He probably needs, like, 20 gallons more. He ain't got no damn soul. You know he doesn't have a soul. Soulless. Soulless bitch. So. Until then. Remember to stay strong. Do everything with love. Know there is always hope. And in case you forget, you can always. Call call us us when when you're you're dead. dead. When the pan pandemic, when the paramedic, <laughs> we are not when the pandemic, the pandemic asked her, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs>